May has always been a month of miracles. I think now for how long? Third, we've been, this year is going to be 16 years since we planted the church. And uh, we, um, yeah, we're going to celebrate at that particular time. But the, uh, I think, I think right, almost right from the beginning, we, we kind of earmarked May as a month of miracles. And it has been that. And I want to, over this coming month, we're going to be doing a number of things. We're going to be putting some videos together, some social media posts. We're going to be sharing about uh, the miracle, the, the miracles that, that, that God can do and wants to do and is able to do and willing to do in all of our lives. And uh, I, I'm really believing God that He is going to do some extraordinary things. Next week, my wife Di is going to be speaking. It's Mother's Day. And uh, how many of you know uh, mothers are miracle workers? <laughs> they are miracle workers. If you have seen your wife give birth, you know they're miracle workers. And you thank God that they carry the, the baby and deliver the baby. And, and uh, my wife is amazing. She's going to be sharing next week. And I'm looking forward to that. And Mother's Day is an amazing day, great day to invite your family, invite your mom, uh, always a big day in church, so we'd love you to be here with us. We have a, some special things planned for you, so good to be together, good to be combining our faith and joining our faith together today. Um, this theme, the overarching theme for this month is, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. I want to ask you to think about that for a moment. Not just some things, not just the things that God can do for other people, but for you. With God, all things are possible. In the message version of the Bible, Paul, who had a, a miraculous encounter with God that changed the trajectory of his life, uh, and set him on course to become one of the most significant people in human history. Said in Ephesians 3.20, as he wrote to the Ephesian church, God can do anything you know. I'm going to say that again. God can do anything you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. I want to encourage you this month, to make this a month of focus. Giancarlos talked about focus as he was here on the platform before me. And one of the things that we discover as we look in the Scriptures is that wherever a miracle happened, focus was always at the center of the miracle taking place. And Jesus was always uh, involved in engaging people's focus. The blind man that couldn't see Jesus asked him an obvious question. What do you want me to do for you? When you're talking to a blind man and you ask them, what would you want me to do for you? The answer is obvious. But Jesus asked him that question because he wanted to engage him. And God knows what your miracle is. God knows the miracle that you need. And even before you tell him, he knows it, but he wants us to respond. 
And as we focus, we find that extraordinary things begin to happen. God can do miracles, as I've said many times before, any day of any week, any year, at any time. And so during this month, as we embark on this series where we're talking about miracles and the miraculous work of God in our lives and in our circumstances and situations, I have a number of different messages that I want to share. And the first of these today is entitled, Where's the Miracle? Where's the Miracle? And I want to answer that question today. And the first answer to where is the miracle is the miracle is in the process. The miracle is in the process. I want you all say the word process. I didn't say process. I said process. Say the word process. Okay, I know that that sounds very... (laughs) very alien to you, but I am an alien in case you didn't know. The miracle is in the process. The scriptures, that scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 in the message, when you read on from there, God's able, God can do anything you know far beyond what you could ever imagine or request, a guess or request in your wildest dreams. This next point is really important. It says, he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His Spirit deeply and gently within us. I want you to think about that. The Holy Spirit doesn't push us around. If you look into that and read into that, the Holy Spirit doesn't force us to do anything that we don't choose to do. The Holy Spirit responds to us and to our asking. And so the, 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 the big thought in the midst of that verse is this, is that God wants to engage us in a process. God wants to partner with us in the miracle. Very often when we think about a miracle, we think about God doing the miracle for us. But God wants to do the miracle with us. And so I want to encourage you, let's get a hold of that this month. God wants to do a miracle with us more than he wants to do it for us. And our involvement, I want you to think about this, our involvement in the process is even more important than the miracle itself. Now we could stop, we could pause there, and we could take a whole lot of time on on that because ultimately our involvement in the process is even more important than the answer to our miracle. What does that mean? It means that ultimately, one day, I don't want you to get depressed here, one day I'm going out into eternity. I'll be in heaven. And when I'm in heaven, all my worries will be over. No more worries about the things, no more sickness, no more disease, no more tears, no more sorrow, I'll be good. But the reality is uh, that, that my relationship with Jesus, my eternal destiny, the work that God does in, and in me in life is 
is a part of the process that is drawing me closer to God. And so when we need a miracle, what God is wanting us to do is to push in and press in, like the woman who had a, a, a hemorrhage for 12 years, been to the doctors, doctors were unable to do anything, and she pushed through the crowd to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, and she was healed. In the process, as her faith was released, God was working something in her that was powerful. And what I want us to think about in this, in this month is that God is engaging us. First of May isn't just about writing out a miracle card and then saying, okay, God, I'll see you on the 31st of May. Let's see what you do in May. No, it's a journey. It's a day-by-day day pressing in. And these are some of the things that I want to share and what I want to talk about that I pray will help us in answering that question, where is the miracle? The miracle is always found in the process. And time and time again, if we read the Scriptures and we read the Bible, we find that very often... The miracle only came when people really became engaged with God. And human nature is that we tend to reach out and cry out to God when we're at the point of desperation. It's amazing. Someone once told, uh, said to me recently, and you may have heard it, there are no atheists in foxholes in the middle of a war. Everyone is crying out to God. And so God, throughout the Scriptures, we read the story of the nation of Israel in Egypt for 400 years of slavery. That's a long time. But in those 400 years of slavery, there came a point where they were so engaged with God and their cry came out to God that God answered their prayer and they were delivered supernaturally. Don't worry, it's not going to take 400 years. And we find that whenever people engage people's focus, or whenever, people, when, whenever Jesus engaged people's focus, he engaged their participation, miracles happen. Remember the wedding at Cana of Galilee, where they ran out of wine and they, they came to... Uh, uh, Jesus' mother and said, they, we've run out of wine, and, the, uh, and, and, and she told them, what, go, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. And so Jesus told them to pour out, uh, pour water into these six uh, stone pots that were filled with 30 gallons of water apiece, uh, would take 30 gallons of water. And he poured the water into the pots, and and as they drew the water out, it was turned into the finest of wine. Well, they were involved. Jesus involved them in the process of the miracle. Can you imagine if you'd been one of those servants that drew the water out and you saw that it had turned into wine? You just participated in an amazing miracle. And God wants us to participate in the miracle with him because it's so much better than him just doing it for us. It draws us so much closer to him, which is his end goal. 
What good is it if we have the miracle, but we lose our connection or our relationship with God? It's our relationship with God that is so much more important. So the miracle happens in the process. And there are so many different, uh, different uh, examples of that in Jesus' life and ministry. But here's a thought I want to share with you. When we engage in the process, it opens the door to another dimension. When we engage in the process, it opens the door to another dimension. How many of you know that we live in two dimensions? Well, actually, we live in a three-dimensional world, but I'm boiling it down to two dimensions, the dimensions of the physical and the dimension of the metaphysical. The metaphysical dimension is the spiritual dimension, what we don't see. So we live in a natural world, and we live in a spiritual world. And the spiritual world is every bit as real as the natural world. The only difference is we don't see it. And the world that we don't see is even more powerful than the world that we do see. And so when I engage in the process of a miracle with God, and I'm engaging with Him, I am embarking on a, a process that is going to open the door to another dimension. When I was a new Christian, I remember many years ago reading a book by Dr. Paul Yongi Cho, who was a pastor from Korea who'd grown up as a Buddhist and had a miraculous, uh, a miraculous conversion after the Korean War and was supernaturally healed. And he wrote a book called The Fifth Dimension. And he talked about the fifth dimension being the dimension of faith. And that book powerfully impacted me because I began to get this revelation about the fact that I'm always in living in two worlds. And I have a natural, I'm living in a natural world, but I'm also living in a spiritual world. But I also know that the natural world is the most demanding world that is always demanding my attention. Our attention is always being demanded. Our attention is always being pulled in multiple directions. We heard Jackie talking about the notification on her phone in the testimony. If you've got notifications on your phone, your, your world is being continually interrupted. The, there are so many things that are happening in our, in our natural world. But the, the dimension that God wants us to step into is the spiritual dimension, and to make a conscious decision to do that. And I want to encourage you this month, step into that dimension. I remember as a young boy, I, uh, I, went, I, I went to boarding school in, a, in the county of Gloucestershire, in the Cotswolds in England. And I was, I think, seven when I was at this boarding school. It explains my idiosyncrasies. As an, at the age of seven, I was in boarding school. And uh, actually, as it happens, we had an American teacher who read to us uh, the book by C.S. Lewis, the first of the Narnia Chronicles called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, which is an, a Christian allegory of uh, the world in which we live and, the, and also the, dif 
the, the two dimensions in which we live, the natural and the spiritual. And if you know the story, Lucy, who was one of the characters, one of the kids who had been sent down to her distant relative's house during the Second World War, she discovers a wardrobe. And as she walks through the wardrobe, the wardrobe goes on and on forever, and she pushes through the coats until she comes out the other side into another world, into another world that has a different dimension and, and is ruled by different, uh, different uh, laws and, or, or metaphysical laws or physical laws. And it's an allegory about the two dimensions in which we live. And the reality is that beyond our natural dimension, there's a spiritual dimension. When we came into church today, you experience that spiritual dimension. There's an atmosphere of faith. You sense, we sense the Holy Spirit. And so I'm always in this war, in this struggle between the, the, spiritual, the natural and the spiritual which is why um, the, uh, Paul says to the Corinthians, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is, a, is eternal. And so this month, I'm encouraging you to awaken. Awaken the spiritual dimension in your life. Believe God for the extraordinary, not just the ordinary. Hey, tomorrow the alarm's going to go off. That's the ordinary. But the extraordinary is when we declare this is a month of miracles. I'm believing God for miracles today. I'm standing on your word. I'm believing your promises. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, in fact, if you ever meet if you ever have a Zoom call with me, and we had a generosity Zoom call yesterday with uh, all of our church, and in case you didn't get on that, you were invited. So uh, we sent that out to everyone, and if you didn't get it, make sure you give us your details so we can send you details of when we're on a Zoom call. But my background, how many of you know you can put a background onto, onto your Zoom image? My background is the beach upon which Jesus stood on the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection, and he called out to his disciples as they'd fished all night and caught nothing. And he built a fire, prepared a fire on the, on the seashore so that he could cook the fish that they hadn't yet caught. And that's the screenshot that I have, and somehow I'm stuck with it. I, I love that. Because it's so powerful, that image is so powerful. By the way, who wants to come to Israel with me? Anyone? Oh, there's a few people. All right. But the disciples, after Jesus' resurrection, had fished all night and caught nothing. They were skilled fishermen. And Jesus, unbeknown to them that it was Jesus, called out and said, cast your nets onto the other side of the boat. They cast their nets onto the other side of the boat and they caught a miraculous catch. And what Jesus was saying was, I want you to stop dipping your net in the waters of the natural. And I want you to start dipping your nets into the waters of the supernatural so that you can get a miraculous catch. 
And I believe that that's what God is saying to us. Dip your nets in the waters of the supernatural and pull up a miraculous catch. And whether that's healing, whether it's provision, whether it's finance, whether it's relationship, whether it's a new job, whatever it may be, whatever area it may be, God created us to dip our nets not just into the waters of the natural, but into the waters of the supernatural. And so the miracle is in the process. So this month, let's engage in the process. On every seat, there's one of these cards. And I want to encourage you to write down on these cards, even in this, during this message, write down what you're believing for. I can't tell you how many people over the last 15 years have written on these cards and come to us and said, God did exactly what I wrote down. Some maybe not next week, some, some even years later, but God answered the prayer. And there's something powerful about writing something down. You could say, oh, well, God knows anyway. I've got it in my mind. And how many of you know that your mind is not reliable? Your mind will, has a great forgettery. So write it down. Write down, God said through Habakkuk, write the vision, make it plain, that they that read it may run with it. Write the vision and make it plain so that when you read it, faith will rise in your heart and say, I'm not fishing in the waters of the natural. I'm fishing in the waters of the supernatural. Put it in your Bible. And every Sunday, we're going to pray. And if it's in your Bible, that's fine. We're going to pray specifically or you're carrying it in your, your bag, your handbag for your women, your man bag for your men. Hold it, believe, pray, and we're going to pray with you. Every day we're putting on social media, we're putting a, um, we're putting a, uh, a post that'll be a, a scripture or a quote or, a, or a, uh, a thought for the day. And if you're not on Instagram, I dare you. Do something extraordinary in the month of Miracle May and get onto Instagram. I'm not advertising Instagram or Facebook or wherever it may be. And even just to get on and see what we're posting on our Newport Church platform. Because this month I'm declaring that platform is going to be one which is going to build your faith every day. And a big thank you to all those who help us with that. And if you want to help us with it, let us know. And we'd love to have you join us in that. But focus, engage in the process. Focus produces faith, which produces action, which moves God's supernatural power. Let me make this statement. God is attracted to movement. Let's not be passive. Let's be active. Let's move. Let's be involved in the process. Secondly, where's the miracle? Well, the miracle's in the process. Where's the miracle? Secondly, the miracle is in God's Word. There's a passage in the Psalms talking about the nation of Israel and how God moves supernaturally on their behalf in the wilderness, and I love it. And it says in Psalm 107 and verse 20, Then they cried out to the Lord in their troubles, 
and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. He sent his word and healed them. There's healing in the word of God. There's healing in the words of God. There is creative power in God's word. The book of Hebrews tells us that God framed the worlds by the word of his power. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God's word has creative power in our hearts. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so miracles are found in the word of God. God sent his word and he healed those in the wilderness supernaturally. God sends his son Jesus and Jesus healed wherever he went supernaturally. When we read God's word, faith rises in our hearts and we, we receive by faith God's word which is actively working within us. When we need a miracle, we're all faced with impossible facts. A miracle literally means that God does something for us that we can't do for ourselves. We're faced with impossible facts. But at the same time, the truth of God's word can invade those facts and leave different facts behind. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever comes to the Father must come through me. When he prayed before his crucifixion in John 17, he said uh, to his Father, make them holy. That's you and me. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And Jesus said, if you hold my, to my teaching to his disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So all of us are faced with impossible facts, but the truth of God's word is God's able, God's willing, God heals, God restores, God turns impossible situations around, God can multiply, God can cause springs to rise up in the middle of the wilderness. God can turn around what is impossible. God can make a way where there is no way. That's the truth of God's word. The facts may tell you it'll never happen. The facts may tell you it's impossible. The facts may tell you the prognosis is, is beyond, beyond uh, uh, the, the ability of the natural physicians to do what needs to be done. But God's word, the truth of God's word, supersedes all of that. And the miracle is in the way that we manage the difference between the facts and the truth. I'm going to say that again. The miracle is in the way that we manage or handle the tension between the facts and the truth. There is tension between the facts. Maybe you're facing some impossible facts. I feel like I'm always facing impossible facts. But the truth of God's word is supersedes that. 
And I love this, this story here about Abraham, who was 100 years old. He'd been promised a son at 75. So he, 75, he thought, I've probably got a good shot. We'll, 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 we'll try one more time, Sarah, uh, for another baby. 25 years go by, no child. And he's 100 years old. And so Sarah, I believe, is 90. And we read in Romans chapter 4, Paul talks about this story. And in this story, he talks about the tension between faith and facts. And he says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just at it, as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. There's the fact. Since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. There's a template for each and every one of us as we navigate the tension between the facts and the truth. What were the facts? He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. What was the truth? God had the power to do what he had promised. And so as we navigate the tension between the facts and the truth, what we have to do is understand that when we believe the truth and we act on the truth, the truth invades the facts and leaves different facts behind. And that's exactly what happened with Abraham. The truth of God's word, the promise of God's word invaded the facts that he was 100 years old, Sarah was 90 years old, it was impossible for them to have any children, and it left different facts behind. And Isaac, their son, was born. The miracle is in his word. And that's why I want to encourage you this month, dig into God's word deep like you've never done before. Whether you listen to it, hey, if you struggle reading it, get Bible Gateway and put on the audio while you're driving through the traffic. You can be listening to God's Word. Hear the Word of God. Absorb the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Get God's Word into you because faith will rise in your heart and the truth of God's Word will begin to invade the facts that you're challenged with and the facts that you're facing. I'm going to talk about this another time and I'll get into it in a in another way, but one of the things that I'm fascinated with is that God, when God created the heavens and the earth, He encoded it with a myriad of patterns. Patterns. He did not create patents. He created patterns. Now, everyone say the word pattern. Pattern, like general pattern. Pattern. God's creation is encoded with myriads of patterns. What does that tell me? God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of order. There are patterns in mathematics. There are patterns in music. 
There are patterns in physics. There are patterns in chemistry. There are patterns in biology. There are patterns in your DNA. I, I'm going to expand this a little more in one of my other messages. And the key is to find the pattern and apply the pattern to your life if you want to get the right results. And God's Word is filled with patterns. One of those patterns that it has to do with every aspect of our faith, and there are patterns for multiple areas that I'll talk about in the coming weeks. But when we get the pattern right, the results will follow. Where is the pattern? The pattern's in God's Word. That's why I love God's Word, because I discover new patterns in God's Word almost every single time I open it. The miracle is in the Word. And then thirdly, the miracle is in the seed. The miracle is in the process. The miracle is in God's Word. The miracle is in the seed. One of the things that I find fascinating is that there are cases or instances where seed has been found that has lain dormant, not just for decades, not just for centuries, but millenniums. And then after millenniums, it has been planted, and that seed has miraculously grown. It's a miracle when you look at a seed and you put it in the ground that that seed germinates and it begins to grow. That's the miracle of life. And we all understand that that seed has to be planted before it can grow. There's miraculous life in it, but until it's planted in the ground, it cannot grow. And there's a case where uh, recently in Jerusalem they found a Judean date palm seed on, the, on Masada, which was the fortress palace of Herod the Great. I don't know why he's called the Great, but Herod from the time of Jesus. And they took that date palm, which was 2,000 years ago, the seed of that Judean date palm, and they planted it in the ground after 2,000 years, and it grew So we can have all the seed we like, but until we plant it, it's not going to grow. The miracles in the seed, but the miracles in the seed that we plant. And how does that apply to our lives when it comes to our miracles and believing God for miracles? Well, in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark and the other Gospels, Jesus told his disciples, he said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed, and it'll be cast into the depths of the sea. Well, that was, you can imagine the disciples shaking their heads and wondering how on earth that could happen. But what Jesus was saying was that, that faith, just as a seed, like a mustard seed, even the smallest of seeds, Faith has the power to release God's supernatural power so that God can do through our faith in His greatness what we could never do in our own strength. 
the seed of our faith has to be released. It has to be activated. And every one of us here, whether you know it or not, we have the seed of faith within us. But it has to be activated. And as we activate it, God can do unbelievable, extraordinary things because the miracle is in the seed. And here's the thing. In this case, what's the seed? Maybe whatever mountain you're facing, whatever seems to be overshadowing you, whatever seems to be intimidating you, whatever problem it may be, we have the faith. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, you have faith. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will speak to the mountain and it'll be removed. Well, sometimes I speak to my dogs and they don't do what I tell them to do. Obviously, I don't have enough faith. And now God's saying, speak to the mountain and it'll be removed. And here's the principle. Some things we have to ask for, other things we have to speak to. So when it comes to your miracle, I can ask God for provision. I can ask God for what I need. But some things he has empowered me to speak to. So if I am dealing with, and I, I'm not right now, but if I'm dealing with fear, I have the ability to speak to the mountain of fear and declare God's word. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So anytime you feel fear is beginning to overshadow you, anytime fear is becoming uh, in in looming over your life, that's the time when we can speak to it and command it to be removed. We can speak to sickness. Did you know that? We can command the sickness to go in the name of Jesus because by his stripes we were healed. And just like Jesus spoke to the fig tree and it shriveled, the, uh, the fig tree died. Only time I've ever seen Jesus doing that, it was an allegory of how we can speak to something that is unfruitful. He spoke to the fig tree. The fig tree shriveled from the roots up. We can speak to sickness so that it will shrivel from the roots up, just like Jesus said. So the miracle is in the seed of God's word. Every farmer knows that if you want to harvest, you've got to sow seed. You can't harvest and then put all the grain in and make the, you know, turn yourself into a bakery. Grind all the seed and no, you have to keep some seed for eating and some seed for sowing. I'm going to get the worship team to come right now. At the end of this month, we're going to be giving a miracle offering. We've done this for 15 years. And that miracle offering is an offering that as a church has always been a significant offering over and above our normal tithes and offerings. Obviously, everybody's capacity is different. God doesn't look at the uh, size of our gift. He looks at the size of the sacrifice involved in giving the gift. Hence, the widow who gave a mite, the smallest of coins, Jesus said she gave more than all those who gave large amounts in an offering. And so our offering is based on our capacity. But every year we've done this. Our kingdom builders lead the way. Our 
church have given. And the reason that we do it in May is because we believe for a financial miracle for you and for our church. And in order to, for a miracle to be released, the miracle of seed from in our finance, we need to sow the seed. And that's what Paul said. He who gives sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who gives bountifully will reap bountifully. And we're believing God that for you, it's going to be seed that is sown that you are going to see miraculous, miraculous growth and miraculous multiplication. And so I want to encourage you, whether you're watching online or whether you're here, during this month of May, be praying, God, what would you have me to do? What would, what would you like to do? What can I do that is extraordinary? And believe that when you sow that seed, God's going to multiply it according to the promise of His Word. Di and I are going to do that. We're, 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 we're going to be doing that on that Sunday, June the 4th. That doesn't mean that in the meantime we're going to hold back. We're still going to keep doing what we do on a regular basis, but that is over and above that. But it's a miracle seed, and I'm believing, and I encourage you to believe with us, I'm believing that that seed that we give is going to be a miracle seed. And it's going to be a miracle seed for us, and for our church. Where's the miracle? The miracle's in the process. The miracle's in God's Word. And the miracle is in the seed. What we're going to do now in the closing moments of this service is we're going to take communion together. The greatest miracle of all is that Jesus went to the cross and He hung on the cross for you and I so that we could be forgiven. And our team are going to lead us in a song. And I want to encourage you to stand right now. And as the team lead us in this song, I want to ask you to do something. Remember, I talked about the miracle is in the process. And what I want to encourage you to do is to step forward and in the corner here on my right and on my left are some communion cups with a wafer. And there's also some miracle cards. And I want to encourage you to come forward during the song. Take that cup and take a card. You can take more if you want, but take a card. And what that card signifies, what the cup signifies, is what Jesus did for you and I through His blood that was shed on the cross and His body that was broken for us. What the card signifies is the miracle that you are believing for for someone else, for the other person in your life for whom Jesus died, for the other person in your life who needs a miracle, your neighbor, your work colleague, the person that you meet maybe in the supermarket that needs a miracle. And we want to encourage you to take that card and give it to someone and say, that you know needs a miracle, and say, write it down, keep it somewhere in your house. Every Sunday in our church, we're going to pray for you. And we're going to believe God for a miracle in your life. And if they want to come into this atmosphere, then we want to pray for them, 
not going to single them out, but we want to pray for them in the service. If you're online during this month of May and you've become accustomed to watching online, I want to encourage you, if you can, come to our service. I'm believing in our services there's going to be an atmosphere of faith and healing and miracles that can only be found as we gather together. May, this month, we're going to engage in the process, knowing that the miracle is in the process, in God's Word, and in the seed. So we're going to worship together. Take time. Take your time. Move forward. And then come back to your seat. We'll pray together. We'll eat and drink together. And then I'll pray for you as we go. Come on, let's worship God together.